This episode of Case of the Creeps is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey there, creeps. It's your boy, Papa Bear. Coming at you with a slew of new acronyms that the psych doctors gave me to try and achieve my life goal. What's that, you ask? Why, it's winning therapy. And guess what? With what we have here at Case of the Creeps to offer, you too can be like me and try your hand at making a therapist throw up. I'm kidding, guys. <laughs> Don't be a psycho like me. As you guys know, we here at Case of the Creeps are huge proponents of mental health, and we would like nothing more than to help you find your way in this ever-changing, dark, chaotic world that we live in. Thanks to BetterHelp, you can now access the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online, so you can keep your crippling social anxiety at bay. That's right, no need to leave your home. With BetterHelp, tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. Just start by answering a few questions about your needs and preferences, and BetterHelp will do the rest to match you with the right therapist for your needs. After that, you're ready to talk to your therapist any way you feel comfortable, whether it's text, chat, phone, video call, blood magic, or necromancy. You can message your therapist at any time to schedule a live session. And if you feel they aren't the right fit for you, switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. BetterHelp offers the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-the-office therapy, but with a therapist custom-picked for you. And now through the podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of therapy at BetterHelp.com forward slash The Creeps. That's BetterHelp.com forward slash The Creeps. Hey, creepy crawlers. I'm Katie. And I'm Nate. And this is Case, Case of, of the, the Creeps. Creeps. <laughs> 26 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was here all along. <laughs> he never went away. <laughs> he was just napping. He was... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Ethereal naps. Full of hashish. <laughs> An opium. <laughs> Blood cakes. It's just a little snaggy snag. Do you think it seems how he could astral project? <laughs> he saw ghost tits? He had to have seen ghost, tits. Seen ghost tits. He got to see all the business. And he went... Ooh. Oh. <laughs> this fucking guy, man. Madame Baklava. <laughs> I've been so many places. Mm-hmm. I know all the languages. We. 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 I hate New York. <laughs> Except for the ice cream. It goes right to my ass. <laughs> That's where I like it. <laughs> I think Alistair Crowley's voice must live on past the episodes. He's a ghostly Crowley. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> this is purely for our entertainment. <laughs> really at this point. You know what? Before we even get started, I need to just shout out the people who tune into us every fucking week and just listen to the stupidity that just <laughs> overflows froths at our mouths because god nobody knows what we're doing here. we don't know what we're doing we don't even know no no <laughs> we probably make this man roll in his grave every uh, episode he's better roll. Uh, 
I mean, he likes it from the back anyway. Mm. <laughs> Power bottom. <laughs> We're full circle here. <laughs> well, welcome back, creepy peeps, to a concluding episode of Case of the Creeps. I am Katie. I'm Nate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We are back after the wild and crazy of back to school. Uh, hope all the parents out there made it through the summer alive and are celebrating their kids returning to school so that you can return to your sanity. Creepy Kiddo was so excited to go back to school. Uh, he loved his teacher so much, but all Kiddo was really stoked for was to show off his sweet Mario shoes to everyone. <laughs> they were pretty cool. He literally was we were pulling in. He goes, Mom, I can't wait to show everyone my shoes because they're going to be so jealous. And I was like, is that your goal here? He went, yep. <laughs> <laughs> We also just want to apologize for the constant breaks between episodes recently, guys. We promise we aren't trying to distance ourselves. We've just been super wild, crazy busy with the kids and general life. I'm starting to get things together on my book, which has just had me in a chokehold. Papa Bear has been slammed at work himself. It's just, it's been a lot. So not to mention we have this new platform in the works for you guys too. So that's just been consuming us too to make sure it's perfect for you guys but all in all we're sorry that we've been a little spacey here and there but with that mention of the platform we just want to send out a quick reminder that patreon is paused for the time being and we are not accepting new memberships at this moment but we will let you know when we are back up and going so just a reminder on that for you guys also, we just celebrated our one-year anniversary of our first live, which got me thinking it's time for a new live. Yeah, it is. It's been when we had our one-year anniversary. So May. Has it really? Yeah, it's been since May that, we've, that we've done a, a freaking live. So yeah. it's definitely overdue. But so in our private group, we will be hosting a poll there soon to hear from our VIP crawlers and what they want to hear. If you're not in that group, now's the time to join. It's COTC group, and we promise it's worth a, being a part of. Plus, you'll get to choose what you want to hear from us and when. Um, I really think that's all of the chitty chatty stuff that we've got for right now. I'm not really prepared for this episode mentally, as you can probably fucking tell already. Um, so to get us in the spirit, I'm so ready to get back into murder. <sighs> I need some murder. 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 But um, to get us in the spirit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Murder. And not of Sherpas. <laughs> but it, to get us into the spirits more for this episode, it is time for Creepy Mickey's Creepy Corner. So we are going to add that here for you now. Hi, Creepy Crawlers, it's Mickey, and it's time for another Mickey's Creepy Corner. And today we're going to talk about Jack and Jill. Yeah, Jack and Jill that went up the hill to fetch the pail of water. Well, Jack fell down and lost his crown, and Jill came tumbling after. This actually isn't a story of two clumsy kids that just went up a hill to fetch a bucket of water. There's many stories and theories behind where this actually came from. Today I'm going to touch base on two. The first one is about King Charles I over in England. He decided he wanted to tax the standard unit measurement of liquids. And when Parliament denied him that, he decided to change the standard volume of a jack, which is equal to about a half pint. He lowered the cost but kept the tax the same amount, so he still was getting all that money in his pocket while everybody was getting less alcohol. 
Where does Jill come into play with this? Well, Jill, G-I-L-L, is actually a quarter pint. And so when the cost of Jack came down, the cost of Jill came tumbling after. And the bucket of water, well, turns out innkeepers were big fans of watering down the booze. And that's just what they did. So you were getting even less than what you were paying for because of them. And now we're going to talk about the second theory, which is King Louis XVI. And he was the last king of France, along with his wife, Queen Marie Antoinette, who was famous for saying, let them eat cake. Yeah, she was so out of touch with the world in reality that she didn't realize peasants and the people who she served over couldn't even afford bread, let alone cake. They were dying in the streets, starving to death. But she didn't realize that because she was so rich and out of touch with reality. So in the end, these two got to walk up the hill, the steps of the guillotine, where King Louis lost his crown first and his head. And then Marie came tumbling after. I hope you found some enjoyment in this little bit. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your podcast. Happy listening. Bye. Um, how dare this fucking bastards water down our goddamn alcohol okay but wait how about i didn't even know there were other theories about jack and jill i literally thought that it was just like a mother goose fucking nursery rhyme i didn't know either that is fucking wild they watered down the the alcohol fucking assholes watered down the alcohol but thank you for that creepy mickey um now tonight we are going to be buttoning the elusive the intrusive and magically abusive <laughs> Alistair Crowley. <Yeah. laughs> Are you ready to pop this case? This fucking Sherpa hate son of a bitch. Ah, <laughs> ah, 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 ah. It fucking kills you every time. <laughs> <laughs> to Sherpa. <laughs> this poor fucking dirty footed bastards that lost their lives. Toting his dumb ass around. <laughs> That's all they could save from all the back. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <gasps> wow, you were, you were quiet. <sighs> I, I take it back. <laughs> My eyes watered. <laughs> <laughs> Your one eye started twitching. <laughs> So, we left off on Kooky Crowley having a second daughter with his equally kooky wife, Rose. And the daughter was named Lola Zaza, but there's a lot more in there, too. Um, And she was born in February of 1907. (laughs) Poor kid. There's like a whole sentence (laughs) of a name. Just the name of a whore. <laughs> it really was. Well, then their other child was named Lilith and like we're batting a thousand here. But now even though his second daughter was born, that did not rein in Crowley from going out and continuing his strange studies of magic, philosophy, occultism, and writing all while trying new drugs along the way to help him heighten and enlighten himself of higher ups in this world or other worlds. Uh, With his old mentor, George Cecil Jones, Crowley continued performing the Abram, Abram, I hate this man. I don't even know. Abramelin. You will go with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Just go with that one. (laughs) Stop right there. (laughs) (laughs) We won't even try any further. Now, 
Those rituals is the study of practical magic with the use of magic squares, which they literally look like a bingo card, essentially. Uh, At the uh, Ashdown Park Hotel in Colston, Surrey, Crowley claimed that in doing so, he attained samadhi, or union with Godhead, thereby making a turning point in his life, making use of hashish. During these rituals, he wrote an essay on the psychology of hashish. He's just like, he's he was like... I did this, I, so now like, I know everything. Now I know everything about getting high. Yep. Now See, this, what you gotta do is you gotta take a little piece of the hash, and you put it on a pin, and then you heat up a knife. And you- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Now, in which he championed the drug as an aid to mysticism. In other words, he just got really fucking high. He got blitzed. He just got really high, and he just came up with some shit. Mm-hmm. And it sounded good, just yeah. like the rest of his it sounded fucking life. It sounded good to him. It sounded good to him. his fucking batshit crazy wife. <laughs> well, and his kooky wife didn't even get to be a part of any of it either, because she was too busy at home. She was too busy sitting on the, on the headboard squawking like a bat. <laughs> He, <laughs> <laughs> he also claimed to have been contacted once again by Awas in late October and November of 1907, adding that Awas dictated two further texts to him, which were Liber the Seventh and Liber Cortis Sinti Serpenti. I'm sorry, Liber Cortis Sinti Serpenti, both of which were later classified in the corpus of the holy books of Thelema, which again is that religion that he created. He's like a bald, hashished out. Did Dr. he embrace Seuss. the way of the Sherpas? He's like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> he's Dr. He's Seuss. A, he's a fucking high, drunk, hashed out Dr. Seuss. Yes, 100%. <laughs> he's making. Um, One fish, two fish. <laughs> hash hit blue fish. <laughs> oh my god. Now, Crowley stated that in June of 1909, when the manuscript of the Book of the Law was rediscovered in Bolskeen, he developed the opinion that Thelema represented, represented objective truth. But with all this traveling and magic using along with drug using, Crowley's inheritance was running out. He was fucking... He was going broke faster than he did the first time. Well, and that's well, what I was... talking about traveling and stuff. Yeah, well, and that's what I was going to say, too. Not not that he get one inheritance. He got two. Mm-hmm. And he was able to blow through both of those in one fucking lifetime. Well, what happens when you're doing cocaine and mm. hash and going to China and fucking, like, fucking Morocco? Lavish. I need to lavish. lavish lifestyle. I have the Sherpas carrying me around in a... Cart. <laughs> They're back there like, uh. <laughs> Now, trying to earn money, he was hired by George Montague Bennett, the Earl of Tankerville. That is a very prestigious name. Isn't it? It's a good pronouncing <laughs> it, too. Nice. Uh, to help protect him from witchcraft, recognizing Bennett's paranoia as being based on his cocaine addiction. <laughs> you don't say it. Hmm. Crowley took him on holiday to France and Morocco to recuperate. Oh, so I have no money, but I'm going to take you to these two places because you need help. Uh, (laughs) Give me them drugs. (laughs) Not only that, but in 1907, he also began taking in paying students whom he instructed in occult and magical practice. One of them was by the name of Victor Newberg, whom Crowley met in February of that year, became his sexual partner and closest disciple. He's like, all right. And this poor, poor Newberg. Newberg. Oh, poor baby got Newberg. fucked. Yeah. 
This poor fucking dude. All he wanted to do was be a fucking wizard. That's all he wanted. <laughs> all he wanted to do was be a gay wizard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was learning about the Deathly Hollows, all right. Uh, yeah. uh, in November... <laughs> <laughs> in 1908, uh, the pair toured northern Spain before heading to Tangier, Morocco. In November of 1908... Crowley and Jones decided to found an occult order to act as a successor to the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, being aided so by Fuller, which was also one of his other interns that he was having at the time. The result was the AA. The group's headquarters and temple were situated at 124 Victoria Street in central London, and their rights borrowed much from those of the Golden Dawn, but with an added thalamic basis. So he, he copied the Golden Dawn, essentially, yeah. and just put his own spin on it with his little his religion just kind of sprinkled in there. <laughs> Everybody read it was like, Sounds off to you. Mind your goddamn business. Don't In no mind way me. did I steal all this wording from the Hermetic Dawn. <laughs> These are my own words. Sir, this is plagiarism. I was told me. <laughs> this, is pa- this is plagiarism. <laughs> it is not. No. Because I came over with on my own accord. <laughs> I, I spoke to the head god yes. while he gave me head god. Mm. <laughs> mm. He built this. I was in a. Trans. Trans. Because <laughs> I'm a power bottle. <laughs> if anyone listens to these episodes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're sorry. We promise to get back to murder soon. <laughs> we promise. And we just can't. We can't move on until we finish this. <laughs> We're going to get on the murder. And uh, there's going to be. It's going to be great. Uh, cryptids. <laughs> We're, we're coming back, we promise. I promise. This is the last one. <laughs> this is it. This is the last one. <laughs> UFOs. It's all coming, I promise. We're going into it. But Are you fucking... <laughs> yeah, I listened to the Reddit one again. It's my favorite one. I was fucking dying. You know, so fun fact real quick and side story, and I'm going to keep this in because it's a, it's a great little behind the scenes moment. So I edited that one right after you left. Like as soon as you closed the door, I was hooking up everything and was immediately like getting into it. So I'm listening to it and everything from us recording was still fresh in my brain. I think I got to a like maybe a minute over halfway point and said, I know the rest of this is gold. I'm not even editing it. <laughs> so that Reddit read episode is half unedit, just unhinged I was what it's like. I was dying at work. That's my there. favorite Reddit read episode that <laughs> we have done. Funny. That Fuck. shit was fucking great. I was fucking dying. In March of 1909, Crowley began production of a biannual periodical titled The Equinox. He billed this periodical, which was to become the, quote, official organ of the AA, as the Review of Scientific Illuminism. So this led to November of 1909, growing increasingly frustrated with Rose's alcoholism, and in uh, that same year, he divorced her on the grounds of his own adultery. He's like, I want to keep having sex with Newton. Yeah, I will take the blame. Just your incessant bat away. screeching on the headboard. Yep. it's been enough for me, woman. <laughs> now Lola Newberg does not do that. <laughs> Newberg is better. Yes. you're Oldberg. He's a great power top. You smell of whiskey. <laughs> That's gross. Mm-hmm. You know I only drink wine. Mm-hmm. With my pinky up. 
Now, Lola was entrusted to Rose's care, and the couple remained friends, and Rose continued to live at Bolskine. Her alcoholism worsened, and as a result, she was institutionalized in September of 1911. You know, back in the day, they just anything a woman did, they were like... Uh, Trans Allegheny was a perfect example of <laughs> yeah, that. fucking hell. Kicked by a horse, man. If you kicked got by kicked a by a horse, you're going you to be a shot asylum. in the war. Yep. <laughs> if you have marital problems. <laughs> yeah, but- my wife is acting out. We sent her to the loony bin. She's a lot better now. Send her. <laughs> uh, not she hasn't acted up one time. Not once. She looks a little like she has a blank stare. I'm all sure, the, the electrotherapy is helping. That's what I'm sure. <laughs> that or the lobotomy she just had. <laughs> she's, just, she's drooling and pooping on herself. Oh god. Oh god. No. Sharpers are in the background. Ah! <laughs> now. Deciding to expand his teachings to a wider audience, Crowley developed the Rise of Artemis, which was a public performance of magic and symbolism featuring the AA members, personifying various deities. So it was a legitimate play. <laughs> I just see him like pulling out scarves from his shirt. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> it's and magic. A rabbit. <laughs> and Rabbit's then dead. Birds. This <laughs> <laughs> <It's just> doves. <laughs> Uh, it was fir- first performed at the AA headquarters, with attendees given a fruit punch containing peyote to enhance. Hold up. Ha- Sign me up. <laughs> Hold on, that sounds like a tie. Hang on. These people just wanted to party and be magicians. They did. So he would give them fruit punch containing peyote to help enhance their experience. So they would all feed into his bullshit. Pretty much. So they were tripping their balls off. They and didn't know they had was- to believe what this man was feeding them because. Fuck! Did he get that rabbit? <laughs> what is happening right now? He's going on, he really pulled a rabbit out of his asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, rabbit turns. Really, no. It's like they didn't need the peyotes <coughs> to see him do that. He really pulled a rabbit out of his asshole. <laughs> Just wide gaping butthole. <laughs> the Red Sea back there. My BH. <laughs> my BH. <laughs> Now, various members of the press attended and reported largely positively on it. And in October and November of 1910, Crowley decided to stage something similar, the right to Ulysses at Caxton Hall in Westminster. This time, press reviews were mixed. Crowley came under particular criticism for Wes DeWen Fenton, um, he was the editor of the Looking Glass newspaper who called him, quote, one of the most blasphemous and cold-blooded villains of modern times. You were just giving this man more and more fuel to Absolutely. his own fire by calling him that. He's like, yes, I am those weird. Look at man. me go. That's right. I'm also a cold-blooded villain. My mother would be so proud. Mm, love you, <laughs> now, Fenton's articles suggested that Crowley and Jones were involved in homosexual activity. No! I know! The scandal! <laughs> now, Crowley did not mind, because they were probably true, <laughs> but Jones mean. unsuccessfully sued for uh, libel, or liability, pretty much. Fuller broke off his friendship and involvement with Crowley over the scandal, and Crowley and Newberg returned to Algeria for further magical workings. So it was, it was very much... They would relocate to a place, and as soon as that shit fell apart, they relocated to a different place. And it started all over again, but with, like, a a different twist. He was a con man that actually believed in his own bullshit. Absolutely. Now, in early 1912, Crowley published The Book of Lies, 
It was a work of mysticism that biographer Lawrence Sutton described as, quote, his greatest success in merging his talents as poet, scholar, and magus. Now, the German occultist Theodore Roos later accused him of publishing some of the secrets of his own occult order, the Ordo Templi Orientis, or Odo. Now, this was within the book that Crowley wrote. Now, Crowley convinced Roos that the similarities were coincidental, and the two became friends. Why would I take from you? (coughs) You're just as magnificent as I am. It's like a lot of the other shit looks like it came from the Hermetic Dawn. Well. What do you mean? That's lies. Mm. I came up with, me and Iwas came up with it on our own mm-hmm. in a dark room, mm. high on her shish and opium. It was the best. Mm. Now, Roos appointed Crowley as you head. You're like jerking off in the corner. <laughs> You're such a good boy. Quit jerking off. <laughs> Get your finger out of there. Yeah. Now, Roos appointed Crowley as head of the Odos British branch, the Mysteria Mystica Mas- Maxima. Or Triple M. Mm-hmm. And I- <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> now, uh, they held a cer- at a ceremony in Berlin, Crowley adopted the magical name of Baphomet and was pro- proclaimed ex Supreme Rex. Let me say that again. Can I say that again? Ex Supreme Rex. <laughs> No, it's a dinosaur. I was legit. All I'm seeing is a dinosaur from Toy Story. It's a dinosaur. Um, And he was also deemed Sovereign Grandmaster General of Ireland. So he he got like three names, essentially. He said, said, all of Ireland is mine. Yep. Um, With Roos's permission, Crowley set about advertising the Triple M and rewriting most of Odo's rituals, which were then based largely on Freemasonry. His incorporation of Thelemite elements proved controversial in the group, uh, but since he was fascinated by the Odo's emphasis on sex magic... That's all he gave a fuck about. Oh, yeah. He just wanted to get high and butt fuck. All the time. That's all he gave And then about. shoot out spells of some sort. It's magical. <laughs> butt spells. Now, Crowley devised a magical work based on anal sex and incorporating it into the syllabus of those... <laughs> Just pushing the point here, literally. Is that something they teach at Hogwarts? No. (laughs) It's a whole different type of Deathly Hollows. Woo! Um, Deathly hollowing out his asshole. That's right. Now, this was, he incorporated this working into the syllabus for the Odo members who had been initiated into the 11th degree, so like 11th year. In Moscow, Crowley continued to write plays and poetry, including Hymn to Pan and Gnostic Mass, a Thelemic ritual um, that became a key part of Odo literature. Churton suggested that Crowley had traveled to Moscow on the orders of British intelligence to spy on revolutionary elements in the city. And in January of 1914, Crowley and Newberg settled in an apartment in Paris where the former was involved in the controversy surrounding Jacob Epstein's new monument to Oscar Wilde. Now, together, Crowley and Newberg performed the six-week Paris Working, a period of intense ritual involving strong drug use in which they invoked the gods Mercury and Jupiter. As part of the ritual, the couple performed acts of sex magic together, 
at times being joined by journalist Walter Duranty, so a little menage a trois here, (laughs) (laughs) inspired by the results of the working, Crowley wrote Liber Agape, a a treatise, a book on sex magic. (laughs) Um, Following the Paris working, Newberg began to distance himself from Crowley, resulting in an argument in which Crowley cursed him. Oh, shit. And Newberg disappeared after that. Somebody's going to die. But by 1914, Crowley was living a hand-to-mouth existence, relying largely on donations from AA members and due payments made to the Oto branch. In he was out of money. Completely out of money at this Ran point. Ran out of that inheritance. In May, he transferred ownership of Bolsking House to the Triple M for financial reasons. And in July, he went mountaineering in the Swiss Alps. <laughs> so I have no money, but I'm going to go mountain climbing. <laughs> So we ran out of money, so we transferred payments of the Bolskine house to the Triple M for financial reasons, and then took whatever money he got from R- that. Right, for that, I mean, he was broke. Yeah. Um, he couldn't afford it anymore, so he had to turn it over to the company that could afford it from other people paying their fucking bills. And then went mountaineering. Yeah, then he's like, hey, well, you guys are paying off all of my debts. Bye-bye. So I'm going to go to the Swiss Alps and mm. enjoy chocolate. <laughs> So you got chocolate on top of your mouth. Mm. Mm, I like it that way. It's not poop this time. Mm, I had poop for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> During this time, the First World War broke uh, broke out. After recuperating from a bout of phlebitis, uh, Crowley set sail for the United States aboard the RMS Lusitania in October of 1914. Arriving in his favorite place of New York City... He moved into a hotel and began earning money writing for the American edition of Vanity Fair and undertaking freelance work for the famed astrologer Evangeline Adams. In the city, he continued experimenting with sex magic through the use of masturbation, female prostitutes, and male clients of the Turkish bathhouse. (laughs) This man, he had to have had every disease in the fucking book. He's like, I'm going to sling Peter wherever that Peter takes me. (laughs) I'm not in control. He is. My Peter's in control. (coughs) Now, all of these encounters were were documented in his diaries. He also professed to be of Irish ancestry and a supporter of the Irish independence from Great Britain. Well, I mean, he was like the grand... Poobah. <laughs> grand Poobah. That's it right there. He's the Grand Poobah of The Ireland. Grand Poobah. Crowley began to espouse support for Germany in the war against Britain. He became involved in New York's pro-German movement. And in January of 1950, German spy George Sylvester Vierick employed him as a writer for his propagandist paper, The Fatherland, which was, which was dedicated to keeping the U.S. neutral in the conflict. In later years, detractors denounced Crowley as a traitor to Britain for this action. And in Detroit, he disper- he experimented with peyote. What the fuck you getting peyote in Detroit? <laughs> I mean, it's the, it's early 1900s. Yeah, it's, it was probably in all the medicine. Probably. In Detroit, he experimented with this peyote at Park Davis, then visited Seattle, San Francisco, Santa Cruz, Los Angeles, San Diego, Tijuana... And the Grand Canyon before returning back to New York. He did say he loved the Grand Canyon. He did. There he befriended Ananda Kumaraswamy and his wife, Alice Richardson. Wow. <laughs> she was like, fuck that last name. <laughs> I'm, not taking, I'm that. not taking that last name. Crowley and Richardson performed sex magic in April of 1960, following which she became pregnant <gasps> and then miscarried. Later, he then took a magical retirement to a cabin by Lake Pasquani, 
owned by Evangeline Adams, that astrologer that she was with, or he was with. There, he made heavy use of drugs and undertook a ritual after which he proclaimed himself, quote, Master Therion. He just gets... I'm going to start doing that. I am going to start... named for days. Master of the bush light. (laughs) The bush lights. Queen of the tea. I drink all the bush light. He also wrote several short stories based on J.G. Fraser's The Golden Ball and a work of literary criticism, The Gospel According to Bernard Shaw. Now, oh, just according to Bernard, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Just Bernard. To the- is Shaw short for shaman? Ah! Ah! <laughs> 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 I couldn't have planned that any better. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Shamans will never die. No. In 1918, Crowley went on a magical retreat in the wilderness of Esopus Island on the Hudson River. Here, he began a translation of the Tao Te Ching, painted thalamic slogans on the riverside cliffs. <gasps> he vandalized. <gasps> wow. Do what thou wilt. Do thalama. what thou wilt. And later, he claims. Bitches. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, just tagged that on the side of a bridge. <laughs> Now, later he claimed he experienced past life memories of being Zhezuan, or Zhezuan, Pope Alexander VI, Alessandro Cagliostro, ooh, Cagliostro, got that, and Eliphas, oh no, fucked it up, Eliphas Levi. With the financial assistance of sympathetic Freemasons, Crowley revived the equinox with the first issue of volume three, known as the Blue Equinox. He just, he's like, I was Chinese. He was, I was also this Italian. This man was all over the <laughs> fucking like, place, I was man. Spaniard. I was uh, <laughs> God. I was this, I was that, I was this. All in a past life, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was not me now. No. He spent mid-1919 on a climbing holiday in Monotok before returning to London in December. Now, distute and back in London, Crowley came under attack from the tabloid John Bull, which labeled him traitorous scum for his work with the German war effort. Several friends, aware of his intelligence work, urged him to sue, but he decided not to. He was like, let them talk, it's fine. Yes, it only furthers my power. Well, he was also... It makes me stronger! Yeah, get this. So when he returned back to London, he started suffering from asthma really, really bad. Mm-hmm. So he went to the doctor. You know what the doctor prescribed him? As any reasonable doctor should. Heroin. <laughs> so you t- yes. put it on the knife yes. and then you heat up the knife. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, this time you're going to use a spoon, okay? I know how you use your hash, but this time you put a little bit of water in it and you heat it up over a candle and then you... Oh, Uncle Maxwell's silver hammer right into your fucking main artery. <laughs> oh, I almost choked. I almost choked. Do you know what happened after he got prescribed to heroin? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he became addicted. Mm, imagine that. <laughs> I know, right? In January of 1920, he moved back to Paris, renting a house from Fontainebleau. <laughs> with Lee you know how Hersick. I feel about the French. I know. <laughs> the, the true chocolate on top of the mouth. <laughs> yeah, you guys, are, you guys are the real chocolate holes. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, he you guys, only you guys could make throwing up sounds a language. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, what does that mean? It means a love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gonna love this. The language of love. The language of ignorance. You're gonna love this. Okay, you ready? <laughs> so he rented this house with Leah Hersig. They were soon joined in a menage de trois with a Nanette Shumway, all and also in a living arrangement by Leah's newborn daughter and Poupe Leah. <laughs> <laughs> poor fucking kids. These poor fucking kids. Poupe. <laughs> poor poopy. <laughs> poor poopy. <laughs> Uh, now Crowley you had. You're not gonna convince me that it's not poopy. <laughs> it is. There is no not convincing. <laughs> it just says poopy. It says poopy. Uh, now Crowley. <laughs> I'm such a child. <laughs> I said that the other day. I was like, you probably would have been so proud. Uh, now Crowley had ideas of forming a community of Thelemites, which he called the Abbey of Thelema, after the Abbe de Thelema. And Francois Rebelles, pronounce it right, Satire Gargantua uh, and Par Pantagruel. You, uh, I you, murdered it. No, you pronounce it. I bet the whole for all the blessed Terra Gargantua So you have to make it sound real ignorant and uh, like snooty and okay, better. All right. Abbé <laughs> de Thelemé en François Rabelé Satar Gorgontour en Pantagruel. Fucking nailed it. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> don't hate us, guys. Please don't cancel us. <laughs> Shitting all over the French language. Now, after consulting the I Ching, he, tro- he chose <laughs> Stelisu- fucking- like just where is he getting these people? He's fucking racist. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this man. Fucking ching chong ching. So after consulting the I Ching, he chose Selefu on Sicily, Italy, as a location for this little community that he wanted to create of Thelemites. And after arriving there, began renting the old Villa Santa Barbara as his abbey on April 2nd. Moving to the commune with Hersig, Shumway, and their children, Hansai, Howard, and Poopy. Oh, wait, how'd they get an Asian kid in there? I think um, Shumway is uh, Asian. Hansai, Hansai, and then, yeah. Yeah, Hansai, Poopy, and... Howard. <laughs> He's Howard. Now, he described uh, the scenario as perfectly happy. My idea of heaven. Just fucking sex and drugs, baby. They per- they wore robes and performed rituals to the sun god Ra at set times during the day. Also occasionally performing the Gnostic Mass. And the rest of the day, they were left to follow their own interests. Undertaking widespread correspondence. Uh, Crowley continued to paint wrote a commentary on the Book of the Law, and revised the third book of Book 4. He offered a libertine education for the children, allowing them to play all day and witness acts of sex magic. 
So he was a pedophile. Brainwashing. He was a fucking pedophile. He occasionally traveled to Palermo to visit rent boys and buy supplies, including drugs. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> Hold up. Go back for a second. No, I don't want to. Did you say rent boys? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's what they were called. Fucking hookers. Yeah. Yeah. Boys for rent. Gigolos. Gigolos. He's like, I'm going to go purchase. Excuse me while I go to market. I've got to go. Uh, I got to go to the market. I'll be right back. I've got to go to market. I need to. I need some supplies. Rent boys. <laughs> rent boys. Um, his, aero, his heroin addiction came to dominate his life and cocaine began to erode his nasal cavity as well. Uh, new followers continued to arrive at the Abbey to be taught by Crowley. Among them was film star Jane Wolfe, who arrived uh-huh. in 1920, where she was initiated into the AA and became Crowley's secretary. Another was Cecil Frederick Russell, who often argued with Crowley. Another was Cecil Frederick Russell, who often argued with Crowley, disliking the same-sex magic. Ma- sorry. Same-sex sexual magic that he was required to perform. I don't want to be butt-fucked again. <laughs> I'm so tired of all this butt-sex. Why do I have to be the bottom? Why do I want to start you were power bottom? You're the power bottom. I'm so tired of this shit. <laughs> every day, bend over. Every day, sit on my ass. Every day. You <laughs> shoot some cocaine in my ass fucking, and make it better. Fucking blow cocaine in my butt. God, something. <laughs> fucking, you're over there doing heroin the whole time. My, Selfish. My ass is like a tube of circus peanuts now. <laughs> oh my god. Um, well, tired he, of it. He, he got so tired of it that he left after a year of being there. Well, yeah, he's tired of shitting pancakes. <laughs> Crowley was like, oh. Now, in February of 1922... Crowley returned to Paris for a retreat in an unsuccessful attempt to kick his heroin addiction. He then went to London in search of money, where he published articles in the English Review criticizing the Dangerous Drugs Act in 1920, and wrote a novel, Diary of a Drug Fiend, completed in July later that year. Subsequently, a young Thelemite named Raoul Loveday moved to the Abbey with his wife, Betty May. Now, this is very important and pivotal in Crowley's life. While Loveday was devoted to Crowley, May, the wife, was detested of him in life at the commune. She later said, said that her husband, Loveday, was made to drink the blood of a sacrificed cat and that they were required to cut themselves with razors every time they used the pronoun I. Her husband, Loveday, drank from a local polluted stream soon enough de- developing a liver infection resulting in his death in February of 1923. Well, why'd you do that? I mean, He was devoted to Crowley. He believed Crowley's everything like, he was spewing. Go drink dirty cum. cum. <laughs> Where did that go? <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> he probably came in that fucking river a lot, so you're probably all trying <laughs> I meant to say scum. Go. You missed the letter. Yeah, go <laughs> Go drink from that dirty, scum-filled pond. I like cum-filled pond. <laughs> cum-filled pond. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I my will, God. I'll fuck it. I'll do it. <laughs> uh, <I will>. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine? This wife left, and they're like, what happened to your husband? He drank too much cum and died. <laughs> too much cum. <laughs> Have you ever heard of what a power bottom is? Let yeah, me sit you down yeah. real quick. 
Too much gum. Done. Huh. Now, after her husband died, she returned to London and told her story to the press. John Bull, that same uh, paper that criticized Crowley in the past, proclaimed, why can't I talk? Mm. Proclaimed that Crowley was, quote, the wickedest man in the world and a man we'd like to hang. And although Crowley deemed many of their accusations against him to be slanderous, he was unable to afford the legal fees to sue them. As a result, John Bull continued its attack with its stories being repeated in newspapers throughout Europe and in North America. The fascist government of Benito Mussolini uh, learned of Crowley's activities, and in April of 1923, he was given a deportation notice, forcing him to leave Italy. Without him, that community called the Abbey closed. So all because this guy drank too much cum. <laughs> but ev- kill, kill one guy with cum, and then it, it all That's comes it. tumbling down. <laughs> yep. See what happens? Now, in April of 1930, Crowley moved to Berlin, where he took Hani Jaeger uh, as his magical partner. The relationship was troubled. In September, he went to Lisbon in Portugal to meet the poet Fernando Pessoa. There, he decided to fake his own death. Doing so with Pessoa's help at the Boca Boca de Inferno rock formation. He then returned to Berlin, where he reappeared three weeks later at the opening of his art exhibition at the Gallery Newman Nierendorf. You all thought I was dead. You know what he did? Wizard! That's exactly what he did. It was one of those, if I died, who would come to my funeral? Everybody's standing there, he's poof. (laughs) Poof! He threw, like, the whatever makes the puff. The dust. Okay, he's like, here I am. (laughs) Ta-da! Everybody's like, oh! (coughs) He really is a wizard. We knew you weren't dead. Now, Crowley's Crowley's paintings fitted the fashion of German expressionism. Few of them sold, but the press reports were largely favorable. In August of 1931, he took Bertha Bush as his new lover. Mm. They had a violent relationship and often physically assaulted one another. He continued to have affairs with both men and women while in the city and met with famous people like Aldous Huxley and Alfred Adler. After befriending him in 1932, he took the communist Gerald Hamilton as a lodger through whom he was introduced to many figures within the Berlin far left. It is possible that he was operating as a spy for British intelligence at this time, monitoring the communist movement. So throughout Crowley's entire unhinged life up to this point, they are still considering the fact that this man might be a fucking British spy. <laughs> what if the, what if that's what he was the, the, the entire time. time? And it was just his outrageous, crazy antics. Nobody uh, would fucking ever believe no. it. No. Now, when the Second World War broke out, Crowley wrote to the Naval Intelligence Division offering his services, but they declined. He associated with a variety of figures in Britain's intelligence community at the time, including Dennis Wheatley, Ronald Dahl, Ian Fleming, and Maxwell Knight, and claimed to have been behind the the V for Victory sign because uh, that was first used by BBC. This has never been proven, but it is something that he claimed. Remember, guys, Crowley was a huge fucking narcissist. Now, in 1940, his asthma worsened, and with, excuse me, and with his German-produced medication unavailable, he returned to using heroin. He's like once again becoming addicted. Oh, reliable. Let me just roll on back. As the Blitz hit London, Crowley relocated to Turquoise where he was briefly hospitalized for asthma and entertained himself with visits to the local chess club. 
Tiring of Torquay, he returned to London, where he was visited by American Thelemite Grady McMurtry. McMurtry? McMurtry? McMurtry. Okay. To whom Crowley awarded the title of... Oh, no. (sighs) (sighs) Hymenaeus Alpha. There you go. Yeah. He stipulated, though, that... (laughs) I'm sorry. He stipulated that though Germer would be his immediate successor, McMurtry would success Germer as head of the Odo after the latter's death. To aid the war effort, he wrote a proclamation on the rights of humanity called Liber Oz and a poem of the liberation of France, Les Galois. Galois. Yeah. Les Galois. Les <laughs> Galois. <laughs> You gotta make the throw up sound because that's that's proper French pronunciation. (laughs) 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 Uh, Now Crowley's final publication during his lifetime was a book of poetry called Ola, an anthology of sixty years of song. Another of his projects, Alistair explains everything, was (laughs) was also published as fucking. He's like a sitcom. Like he really is like a stupid sitcom. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, another <laughs> of his projects was Alistair Explains Everything, and it was published as Magic Without Tears on December first of nineteen forty-seven. Crowley died at Netherwood of chronic bronchitis aggravated by pleurisy and myocardial uh, degeneration, which means like everything was just starting to disintegrate in his ear, nose, and throat. Ah, yes, all the cocaine and heroin yes. and. All of it. Now, he was 72 years old when he died. So, for that time, he lived a very full fucking life. Fucking rap bastard. His funeral was held at Brighton Crematorium on December 5th of that year. About a dozen people attended, and Lewis Wilkinson read experts, I'm sorry, excerpts from the Gnostic Mass, the Book of the Law, and Hymn to Pan. The funeral generated press controversy and was labeled a black mass by the tabloids. Crowley's body was cremated. His ashes were sent to Carl Germer in the United States, who buried them in his garden in Hampton, New Jersey. And that is the story of Kooky Crowley. We got through it. We got through it. That was a lot. That was a lot. That was a lot. <laughs> that man gave me whiplash. The next one would be better. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. We so have, Everyone uh, has shit episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 We just so happened to pick. It just, he, uh, it's not that he wasn't interesting. He didn't do anything he worth didn't, anything, though. He, yes. It's just, he was a fucking... He was a psycho. He was an absolute magical psycho. It was the whole magic and talking to beans and (laughs) astral projecting and butt sex. The man did more drugs than I think was available at Woodstock. He had had an interesting life. He did. But God, he had a detailed life. Yes. I mean, it was so detailed to the point to where I was like, I'm reading stuff and I was like, I don't even, I don't even know where we are anymore. (laughs) Like, what, what do you mean you went from Sicily to Tijuana to the Grand Canyon to Britain to New York? Like, dude, how the fuck are you going so many different places? We, we promise guys. (laughs) 
We're done. We're, <laughs> we're, done. we're done, guys. We I promise. It's, it was so prolonged and so drug out. It was. And it's... Because I didn't want to. I, I will admit right here, right now, I was kicking and fucking screaming over this fucking episode. <laughs> I did not want to do this episode did not i i messaged you at one point was like i need some fucking murder (laughs) i I honestly i know i picked it but i dreaded it (laughs) i did because it was once you got into like doing the research and shit and like reading into it and it's like i can't tell you how many other podcasts i listened to on it and i was just like or shit i read i was like I still do not know what the fuck was going on. No, half all I know is that this man traveled yearly. He had two kids, a very alcohol alcoholic wife. He loved butt butt fucking. He <laughs> did so many drugs, believed he was a god, saw other gods, uh, barged in on a, a religious order, thinking that they could cast spells and curses and had a magic battle. Uh, believed that he could legit produce magic and also thought that he was a writer and a mountaineer and a chess guy and a british spy um what else am i missing here <laughs> like he was so much we could have and it could have gotten even more details yes it could have because at one point he broke into somebody's house and like stole his robes yep <laughs> like, like there are so many different minute details that I did not add because as I was putting info in, I'm realizing that the page numbers were growing, and I was like, "Oh my god, this I we I refuse." We honestly could have done like a five part series. On we could have done like a six. Like we could have done a whole mini series on just Crowley, like mm. a mini fucking show just on Crowley, with the amount of shit you could find on this man. It was absurd. If you guys want more, go for it because I'm <laughs> done. I am done. You know what's next? Next, our next episode that's being recorded sometime this week and dropped before next Tuesday. Your boy. My boy. Your boy. My boy. You want to talk about Menage des Trois? Give me Bigfoot, and give me Mothman. Give me my hairy boys. I want. I want my hairy mythical man. <laughs> So our next episode is going to be on Mothman. I've, I'm, I'm so ahead of the game on Mothman. I've already been doing research I'm and just... stuff. On it. <laughs> like I can't wait. So we are finally getting back into our regularly scheduled creeps, and we are going to be doing Mothman for you guys to make up for our last week that we missed. So we'll be recording that sometime this week and dropping it this weekend for you guys. So you'll have that as a little bonus, and then uh, we'll announce what episode is next after that. And it's going to be a murder. It's, I'm thinking serial killer. I'm thinking Golden State killer. Oh, really? I'm thinking something big. I need I need it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need the murder. I need uh, serial killer. I'll, I'll look at my schedule and see what we have. Okay. I thought we had something written down. I think we do. Hang on. My planner is just... You want to know how much Crowley has taken up our life? All I have is Crowley, Warnos, and fucking Mothman. Oh, Jesus. Oh. I'll look at mine. I'll text you. Okay. I'll see if I have anything else. Okay. 
If we're doing a serial killer. Okay. We're doing a serial killer. <laughs> I need the serial killer. Um, <gasps> I know what we can do. You'll be down for it. What? What? <laughs> at me like that. What the fuck? <laughs> My cheeks hurt from doing that. <laughs> we can re-record. Kemper. My boy? My boy. Yeah, you... you yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So we'll do that. So we got Mothman coming to you guys. And then we have Ed Kemper Part 1 re-record coming to you guys after that. Oh, oh, I just got so excited. I just got so excited. Okay. These are going to be some good comebacks. God damn it. <laughs> Did you get it for real? I got it. Yes. I'm cutting it out. Yes. <laughs> look, at me, look at your poot. <laughs> okay. So we have that coming for you guys. Um, if you are part of our private group, keep an eye out because we are going to be dropping that poll for your options for our live that we're going to do. And we'll start to get that all together for you guys. Um, again, please don't send us your money as much as we want to take your money. Please, Lord, don't send us to send I it. I mean, I don't take your money. <coughs> no. <clears throat> oh. It's already been shut down. Patreon is paused for the moment. Um, so no touchy. Uh, make sure you're following us on Facebook on our regular page, which is Case of the Creeps. It's got a suitcase and an arm and a leg, and I made the cover art. And come love us, because we're cool. Yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> uh, if you have any episode requests, fan art, shout-outs, creepy stories, chili recipes, recipes of any sort that you love and want us to make, send them to us at caseofthecreeps at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at caseofthecreepspodcast. And I think that's it. Make sure you're following us on all of the platforms and subscribing so that we can keep doing this for you guys because you are our drive. Seeing those numbers climb every week, we absolutely love you. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. I don't think we have anything else. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this wild-ass fucking episode. Thank God it's over! Yes. yes. Oh, can we crisp by five? I because seeing, I need to crisp by five. I kept seeing it. the pages go. I'm like, oh, we're getting like, <laughs> Were you looking at the couch? I was, like, I was looking at you. You were like, oh, it's almost there. Fuck. <laughs> I tried to narrow it down, too, but I was like, fuck. If I do too little, it's too short. If I do too much, then fuck. It was just not winning. But it's done. It's over. Thank you guys for trooping through with it. Um, we love you guys so much, and as always, we hope you creeps keep it creepy. I'm Katie. I'm fucking over it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was over it, but now it's coming to light that you're over it too. Yep. I was dreading this day. You, dude. I was like, oh, I know you just, were. Oh, I didn't want to do it. I, I, I didn't thought about it at work today. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be a long one. Fucking Crowley. <laughs> Goodbye. Later. <laughs>